If you're looking for the next best thing to invest in, try investing in your long-term health with Forward. Forward is intelligent medicine with a personal touch. Their doctors are dedicated to catching top killers like cancer and heart disease early, which could save you tens of thousands of dollars in the long run. So invest in a doctor that's invested in you. Visit GoForward.com to learn more about how Forward can help you manage your long-term health risks for one flat monthly fee. That's GoForward.com. It's no secret that writing can be lonely work, but does it really have to be? Whether you're full-time, part-time, or just starting out, you'll get insights into the tricks, tips, and production habits of writers from every level of the biz. From best-selling authors to those launching their first novels, you're sure to be in the company of friends as we encourage great writers to divulge and share their secrets. This is the Great Writer Share Podcast with your host, dark urban fantasy author, Holly Lyne. Hello and welcome to episode number 60 of the Great Writer Share podcast, a podcast where every week we hijack an hour or so of time from some of the kindest and hardest working writers around today to join us on the show and discuss everything that makes them tick, roar and bounce. My name's Holly Line and it's the 30th of October as of recording. So let's get into my personal update. I've been busy with my book launches, too busy to write, in fact. Over on Next Level Authors this week, Dan and Sasha talked about being busy as opposed to productive, and I felt so called out by this. I've had an extremely busy few months, but have hardly written anything. I've been wrapped up in this crazy rapid release launch schedule and various other projects, and I haven't been prioritising writing at all. That's something I'm determined to change. My word for this year was publish. I had nine releases planned this year. I've completed seven, and the eighth is next week. And yet only one of those was a new book of my own. It was my non-fiction book, Goal Setting for Writers. Three were anthologies, four were relaunches. And now it's looking incredibly unlikely that I will get the ninth book out, which was meant to be a new novel. But life had other plans this year. These things happen. So next year, I will be pushing my own writing, the emphasis very much on the writing rather than the launching. I want to make sure I'm spending more time creating than anything else. So the other big project that I've been working on is Indie Fire, a writers conference that I'm organising with my business partner, Angeline Trevina. It's an amazing online event packed with useful panel sessions and workshops, most of which are replayable. We also have three live workshops taking place online on Saturday 28th of November. I'll be hosting a workshop on goal setting for 2021. Angeline is doing one on world building and we'll be recording a live version of our podcast, Unstoppable Authors. We also have workshops from Meg Jolly and Daniel Wilcox, who you might have heard of, as well as other fantastic indie authors. Our panel discussions have a range of topics from author mindset to time management and story structure. We're currently gathering questions for our panellists on our social media accounts, so do please go take a look at those and put your questions to our panel of experts. You can find us on all the social media, just search for Unstoppable Authors. Tickets for the live workshops are £8 each, but you can get an all-access lifetime pass for all of the replayable content for just £20 at indiefire.uk. 
There is so much content coming and so much advice and information for writers. The value is truly incredible. So do make sure to get your ticket today. A big thank you to everyone who answered the question of the week as posted on Patreon and Facebook. The question we asked was, what's the biggest publishing lesson you've learned? If you haven't published yet, what have you learned from other writers that you might otherwise have made a mistake on? Our very own Faye Trask said that her biggest lesson is that genres blend. Ritu added that you need a polished product. Both of these are extremely good lessons to learn early. I have to say, I learned through painful experience <laughs> both of those lessons. Thanks again to everyone who commented. You can get involved in the discussion on our Facebook group or in our Slack group for patrons. Today I'm going to be talking to Jessie Shedden, a debut author who has recently published her memoir of Escaping a Cult. We talk about some of the restrictions that she grew up with and her experience of leaving and transitioning to the outside world. We talk about her writing journey and the lessons that she's learned already about writing and publishing. It's a really personal interview and I hope you enjoy it. Before we get into the interview, I wanted to remind you about our Patreon community over at patreon.com forward slash greatwriterssshare, where for as little as $1 a month, you can get involved in our behind the scenes group, benefiting from early ad-free access to episodes of the show, our private Slack channel, ask upcoming guests any of your questions and get involved in our monthly giveaway. So if you like the idea of upping your author career and getting all of that good stuff, then you can do so at patreon.com forward slash greatwriterssshare. And now, without any further ado, let's dive into the interview with the one and only and incredibly brave, Jessie Shedden. Jessie Shedden is a British-Australian, chicken-loving, cult-escaping badass woman who has become a sought-after speaker, consultant, and inspirational author of Tomorrow's Not Promised. Welcome to the show, Jessie. Thank you for having me, Holly. Oh, it's a real pleasure. I've been so excited to speak to you. <laughs> it's been crazy because I knew you already, so that's been yeah. lovely to come on and connect with someone I already knew. Yeah, so normally I would start these interviews asking the guests to tell me a bit about their writing journey, but I feel like we need to start in a slightly different place because your book is essentially a memoir. Um, it's obviously deeply personal. So for the benefit of our listeners, can you give us an overview of the experiences that you have now written about? A 60-second overview would be... Um... <laughs> challenge <laughs> yeah it would um I guess the backbone of the book is around growing up in the cult that I did and then my realizations that I didn't want to stay in it and the and the kind of the things that led towards that so the sexual abuse and then forming um, a relationship outside of it and then just becoming so deeply unhappy inside of it and knowing that this pressure cooker was just building up inside me and I need I couldn't surrender my identity anymore I had to follow my true calling and respect who I was as a person and then my ex my escape my fleeing the cult and then my transitioning on the other side of that which has been pretty bumpy 
lots of new, lots of learning curves, lots. I wouldn't say lots of mistakes, lots of life lessons, because I don't like to think of them as mistakes. Mm-hmm. I did the best with what I knew at the time and learned from it. Um, in terms of relationships and just, and friendships, learning to see the world from a whole different standpoint, really. Yeah. So we will talk a bit more in a minute about the book itself, but did you have any kind of background in writing, even if it was just like journaling for yourself or? Yes, I did journal. Yeah, quite a lot. And I I kind of enjoyed freestyle writing, just, you know, I've got a lot to say. And for years I wasn't allowed to say it. So it's coming out now and more and more I'm giving less fucks. If that makes sense. Yes. <laughs> so it's just like, well, you know, I'm not thinking about the reader that much. I'm thinking about what I want to say. Mm. Okay. And not worrying about what the person's thinking on the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did you ever imagine that, you know, like when you were a child or anything like that, did you ever imagine you might one day be an author? No. No, I really didn't. I have written one book before, but to be honest, I never I never felt like I wrote it because it was a collection of other people's stories. Um, I was a therapist previously and the work I was doing, along with my mother, who was the other therapist, was life-changing. We saw people's lives completely change and they would write in their story of how they were before, how they were afterwards, and I put a collection of those together. So although I was directly involved in that story, I never really felt like I wrote it. I just mm. took theirs and put them in. So, you know, I had that experience and it was nice to say, here you go. I mean, I got, I got a printed copy of it, you know, mm. um, it's not in print anymore, but I do still have one. It's the last one <laughs> that's around as far as I'm aware. Um, but no, I never really thought, oh, I really want to grow up and be a writer. Mm. So how, how did you come to the decision to write this book? Do you know, I don't know that I've ever really thought about that. Um, how did I? I don't actually know. <laughs> I really don't know. Um, I that's something I need to I need to dig around and find out because I know it happened during lockdown and one month I was not even considering it and the next month I was writing it and the following month I'd completed it. Um, I I need to go and find out what triggered me because I don't remember that at all. All I know is that I found a program where I could write it in forty days and jumped at it. It was like that's an achievable goal I can see like the beginning from the end and it's like yeah I think I can do that but I I I never set out to write a memoir I set out to write a self-help book mm. and then realized I was healing myself and I'm sorry if I'm going ahead here yeah, it's realized I was healing myself as I was letting my own experiences out mm. and it became more about my story than about just documenting use this strategy for this and this strategy for that mm. Yeah. So um, I was going to ask you, did you find the act of writing healing? And you kind of just answered that. (laughs) Yes and no. Um, It brought up a lot. Hmm. I think, yes, in the big picture, yes, absolutely. But at the same time, it took a lot out of me doing it. And one thing that really came up for me was that I had never contacted anybody else who had left the cult. And that was a deliberate choice when I left I was like I'd always been told they were very bitter very twisted you don't want to go anywhere near them never had anything to do with them and I was like I just want a nice life I don't you know I left all of that behind for a reason Mm -hmm. 
And so I made a conscious decision never to go anywhere near them. And then I started gradually reaching out and realised they're not all like that. Yes, some are still hurting 40 years into the future. That's not how I want to be. Mm. Um, But others aren't. Others are absolutely loving the lives they've got. And I started to gingerly reach out and just actually connecting with those people again because I was... I was actually looking at my past, which I had never done. I was like, oh, no, that belongs over there. Nobody, I don't talk to anybody about it because they're going to look at me like I've got a third eye in my head. And I just put it in a box and it stays there. And that's the way I deal with it. And then I was like, hang on a minute. I'm taking the lid off this box now. And, you know, all hell's letting loose. And there's so many emotions inside of me. And by reaching out, I was able to talk to people that totally understood what the journey I'd been on they even used terminology that I'd never used in three years because we only used it in there Mm. but we could say those things to each other we could talk about people that we jointly knew that no one around me did Mm. so that was very healing and that was definitely a byproduct of writing it Mm. yeah have you had any like resistance about the book um like from the community that you left yes very much so um before about a week before it was due to come out somebody in there had rumbled that I was releasing it and I was contacted and asked to not publish it mm-hmm. um I'm not somebody that wants to throw a lot of dirt that's not why I wrote it I wrote this about my life and my experiences whether they were in or out good bad everything's in there um it's not about me standing there going they're a shit cult and they really need to be you know dragged over the coals for it that's not where I want to go with this it wasn't the aim of the book at all Mm. and of course they had a fear that might be the case they hadn't read it Mm. so they didn't know and I I had already got a big disclaimer in there already saying you know readers should consider this for themselves I'm not saying one way or the other Um, but I think there's a lot of assumption and since it's been out I've not heard any more and I Although I know that litigation cases have come up before and I I don't ever think, oh, it will never happen. I think I'm in a pretty good place that it shouldn't happen because I have tried to be very fair. Mm. Yeah, I'm reading it now and I mean, there are a lot of things that kind of resonate with me um, because of various things about my life and my background and um yeah, it's, I, I found myself with goosebumps um, over some of the things that you were talking about, the restrictions that um, you had to live with. Um, it's, it's incredibly powerful. Um, do you think that, um, or do you hope, I guess, that sharing that kind of thing would maybe reach some people who are in there and change their minds? I hadn't. I hadn't looked at it that way at all because while I was in there, I got treated as such an outsider because I felt, you know, I thought differently that I wouldn't say revenge. I don't think like that at all, but I tend to think, oh, you know, most of them are happy with it. I'd never stopped to consider that they actually weren't. Mm. Um, I know some of the ex-members have said to me, well, you know, you could actually be helping someone else who wants to leave. And I was like, never even considered it I just knew I wanted to shut that door and walk away Mm. Um, I have started to think about that now a little bit but I still feel like if someone came to me and said I'm trying to leave can you help me I don't know if I'm strong enough yet to do that because Mm. they still have a lot of um, a lot of fear that they hold over you 
Mm. And I've only been gone three years, which (laughs) there's people who've been gone 20 odd years and they haven't processed what's happened Mm. to the degree of where I have and they still don't feel strong enough to help. Mm. So it's like, yeah, it's a challenging one. I definitely think, yeah, there is a potential, but there's also a lot I know when I was back there, I wouldn't have dared read these books Mm. because you could be found with them. Um, You would be definitely you there would be consequences of you having done so Mm. yeah do you have any regrets about writing the book no no um I stand behind what I've done I I think I've said this before I've done you know I I spent a year doing modeling and, and I've done nude photo shoots but I've never felt as naked as when I put my whole soul out there yeah it's a whole different your 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 body is you know obviously it's yours but it's just physical but what's in your mind and in your heart is much more intimate isn't it than yeah there's there's just nowhere to hide after that it's there you know you're just offering yourself on a plate for people to do what they will with but you have to know that as I see it they are welcome to have whatever reaction they want because that's their reaction and that's their issue to deal with. I mean, it's perfectly okay for me to trigger other people's insecurities. That's theirs to deal with. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned about um, writing the book in 40 days and that you used a programme to do that. Um, can you share what that what that was? Yeah, sure. That was Leonie Dawson's 40 Days to Finished Book, mm-hmm. um, which I love. And I think it's a very simple premise. She basically just tells you to, get your head down and write your fucking book for 40 <laughs> days and don't think about anything else until it's done um, and I love that I think it's just very very simple and it just you were just looking at finishing the next day and getting to the end of those 40 days I wished maybe that I had planned out the structure a bit better but I still think there's so many different ways I could have written it mm. I could have chosen different ways of chaptering there's all yeah I I just need to get it out there Mm. (laughs) you know what I mean and then build on it you know and 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 start and like I think another regret is maybe thinking bigger picture thinking about do I want to do sequels and if I do how are they going to tie in with the first one Mm. therefore what should the structure be for that Mm. yeah which I'm thinking about now so you wanting to write another one absolutely Mm -hmm. absolutely and not just on that topic (laughs) <laughs> I, I have a chicken themed one coming up it just has to you've got the writing book now yes and I think it's not scary I didn't you know I, I really I didn't find it hard apart from just staying committed it wasn't actually hard work it was like for some of us that could spend all day talking you've you've been given the opportunity just to share what what you want to talk about and it's up to people whether they want to read it or not mm. you're just putting it out there yeah <laughs> it's a hell of a lot of fun actually yeah um I hadn't thought about it like that but yeah <laughs> um what was your sort of thought process behind process sorry behind your publishing decisions because you're independently published did you just, need to give that much thought or was it just an instinctive yeah. no Leonie went over both I mean that was part of her course as well she went over self-published and finding a publisher and for me I just wanted it out there as quick as possible um 
And I did not want a lot of financial outlay of purchasing supplies of books. I've worked in print before. And the last thing I wanted to do was print a whole run of my very first edition to find that I couldn't move them. I don't want that. I don't want the hassle. I want it quick and easy drop ship. Um, and I also felt that if it was a good enough story, it's, there's a possibility it'd be picked up at some other stage by a publisher. Mm. Yeah. That does and definitely happen. I'd prefer to let that happen naturally than me to go banging on doors trying to get somewhere. Mm. Do you think, um, I might be projecting completely here, <laughs> um, do you think that your background and the nature of what the book is about informed that decision to go independent? Is it? Is I'm a very independent person, very. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, I just wanted it out there as quick as possible. It's like, I, I want this out there now. And I don't want to faff around trying to persuade someone. And it was also when I listened to her arguments on the thing, and she's published a good, or she's released rather than published a number of books. It was a very persuasive argument that you're going to spend a lot of time banging on doors trying to get somebody to publish something and they don't really offer you very much because you still have to do all the marketing yourself Mm -hmm. it's just the fact that you can now say you're published whether that's correct or not I don't know but I took it I just took it at face value what she said and I was like I can't be bothered with the faff of it (laughs) you know I just I just want it out there and I if it's a success I'll look at that down the line but right now yeah I I I guess I'm independent but it's just Mm. I can't yeah for me, it's about less less hassle. And if I'm not going to gain a lot by going and banging on doors, then it doesn't seem like a, a brilliant idea to me. And I've only heard her argument. Mm. No, it's a, it's a very um, common um, perception. It's certainly my perception of the industry. So, um, yeah. Do you, um, like, how was your experience of the publishing process? How have you got on with it? I would say that I wish she covered that in a bit more detail in her programme because I hadn't realised. I don't think I'd realised that 40 days to write it doesn't mean 40 days and then go release it. You've still got some work once you've finished that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot better prepared second time round. Things like trying to get... <laughs> um, I used Fiverr for my book cover and also for my formatting. And both the people I used on the first time round I wouldn't use a second time and I haven't. I've used different people and I'm a lot more hopeful and now that I know what I'm doing. And also in terms of book cover design, I I like to design a lot of my own stuff. So I'm probably a bit a bit of a pig to deal with because I know what I want. Don't try and draw something up for me. Just put together what I want. And I didn't have the photography that I wanted. So I had a shoot today mm-hmm. for my second book cover because it's like, well, I I really want I know what I want now Hmm. having got my fugly first draft out there (laughs) and had the luxury of being paid for my fugly first draft as well (laughs) (laughs) so okay you've opened the door to the modeling so I'm gonna have to talk to you about that so (laughs) it's just it's such a contrast um you went from being in a strict Christian religious order to modeling and you said doing nude shoots so how how did that happen um I think from it sounds really trivial now but at the time when I got into it it's a bit irrelevant but I was not actually earning anything 
because I spent a few years just healing basically and I had gone tried to go into a job and I'd end up being bullied again and I'd been bullied in the past and I was like I'm done with this there was actually discrimination in the end um and I was like okay I'm sat here I'm nothing no money's coming in I had enough to live on but no money's coming in what can I get for free which is not the track I take now but you know what is around there and I came across a free photo shoot so I was like oh that's nice that it's free and then I was like oh shit it's a boudoir one uh, am I ready for that yet um I've always wanted photo shoots because I've I'm a photographer not of people but a photographer and I, I appreciate photography I was like, and I actually booked for it and then I cancelled it and I was like I can't do it it's boudoir I can't do it you know 23 years of bullying doesn't go away in a hurry mm. and I was only a year out by then and then a couple of months later I went do you know what I've got a really nice genuine um grenadier's red jacket the the changing the guards at Buckingham Palace one of those mm. nice red tunics I was like I love that I'd really like a photo shoot in that I wonder if I can start off with that and went back to them um and <laughs> I did actually wear that that was one that was um the first image I had done and then she was like okay you're ready to start stripping that stuff off now because this is actually boudoir and I had kind of built up different props I want to take with me so I used to play the violin so I took my violin with me um I had my cowboy boots my cowboy hat and I started to get down to the lingerie and then she snuck in a very sneaky topless which I didn't know I was doing at all um and I, I really liked the results of them and in my very small Facebook following at the time, I put a few of them up and actually in their private group, first of all, and I got some really nice feedback and I was like, wow, I'm not used to getting compliments like this. Mm. You know, I'm used to being told how my taste really doesn't fit and isn't appreciated, but people are saying really nice things. And I think that just, I was like, I want more of that external validation. Mm. And I, found another photo shoot and I was like oh I'll try this company now then and then it kind of went from there I, people were saying oh your photos are really nice and then photographers started reaching out and I started I was kind of addicted I suppose to oh here's another free photo shoot and I can get more nice pictures and I can get more compliments off the back of that and I felt like that was building my self-esteem and it did to some degree but there comes a time when I think I'd done, yeah, I, in it, during that I was doing a number of workshops where we were talking about self-esteem that comes from in here mm. rather than the external. And then I started to see actually how degrading the shoots were becoming because I wasn't working with paid companies. I was working with entry-level photographers who the more you took off, the happier they were. 90% of them were men and they were looking at you just like a chunk of meat and they would do what they wanted with it and the pictures were mainly for their lookbooks. There were no industry standards in the area in which I was working. Um, and with the greatest respect, you're dealing with a lot of men with camera. That you know, Some mm. of them really didn't have editing skills. They didn't have a photographic eye. It wasn't art. And you quickly start to realize I don't appreciate being treated like this and even people I thought I could trust still didn't have the right intent mm. so <laughs> yeah it it was definitely bell curve it was 
it had it helped and then you saw actually it was now adding to the damage of the self-esteem mm. but I would have to say that if a massive thanks to my current fiance for helping me to see how disrespectfully I was being treated mm. yeah oh that's good that you have someone in your life who's looking out for you totally does <laughs> totally yeah and I got, I'd, I'll admit it I fought it I didn't really see it first of all I was like oh you're just like my parents and I was like actually he's got a point here and I think I'd almost got to a point where I didn't think there were men that could respect you mm. and that's just the way men were mm. not true thankfully <laughs> yes yeah and I'm not a man hater <laughs> just for the record no of course um so are you still working on that self-esteem and how are you doing so yes definitely I mean I think more like subconsciously than consciously but I'm working on limiting beliefs and healing some of my backstory Mm. and obviously things like the book and things are going quite a way towards that also being in a in a healthy environment Mm. it's really helping that a lot um it's interesting little things come up and you kind of like get a poke where you thought you'd healed something and you haven't mm. um I was away on holiday recently and in two of my previous relationships I've always been the second woman and I'd I wouldn't say I've been happy to take that place but having low self-esteem it certainly added to accepting that place Mm. and I realize that now I'm in a healthy relationship actually when we were away his ex was with us as well and it was totally it was all planned before I was around there was nothing undercurrent nothing underhand um completely different environment but it poked at me from the past some of my past wounds and triggered and it didn't take long for me to flip that switch in my head that went I'm not good enough. I'm not enough. Um, And there was a definite difference in being able to stop and go, you know, that's an old record. And you know, the situation isn't like that. You know, he's got your back that they were not happy with each other for a good number of years. And they've only reconciled recently. You know, there's nothing going on here, but that's an old record that wants to repeat and you need to stop that. And it actually, it was really beautifully done in the end. Um, you know, I spoke up and said, I'm being triggered. I'm, I'm getting these kind of flashbacks. He stood up and supported me more and did more for me and cared for me to make sure my concerns were taken care of. But also I was able to kind of reach out to his daughter and his, who's um, quite close to me in age actually, and his ex and or through his daughter and say, I'm really sorry. I'm healing. Thank you for being so lovely and wonderful because they really have been. I'm healing. Um, I'm having a few wobbles and I'm I'm sorry that it's like that. And they were like, we don't need to apologise. We're not a perfect family. We're here. We think what you've done is really brave. And we actually connected on a deeper level just through being honest. I mean, I didn't say, you know, I see you as a second woman or, you know, like anything <laughs> like that. But it was like, they actually, we actually became closer. And because I was ready to start letting down my barriers, they wanted that closeness but I hadn't been ready for it and it it just it was almost worth having the wobble to get the to get the extra link yeah I think and to sort of circle this back around to writing that 
um, a lot of the time we have to push through something very difficult to get to something better on the other side. Absolutely. And that opening up is something that writers obviously do every time. Whatever we write, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, we're opening up a part of ourselves. And, yeah, that vulnerability actually is comes with re- with rewards in the end. There's a, a great saying that Leonie quoted on her course, and I was aware of before, but breakthroughs, break breakdowns are often breakthroughs in disguise. Hmm. Yeah. So how has writing the book changed your life? <laughs> uh, not much, no. <laughs> Astronomically, because I've been hiding who I was. That's the first thing. I've hidden who I was. People... They knew I'd done something big, but I never really said. And I think, firstly, I feel like I can totally own who I am now. I don't need to hide anything. Mm. Um, Without sounding kind of braggy, I feel like I'm receiving appreciation for what I've done, which I hadn't given myself credit for. Mm. People coming forward and saying, you know, you're so brave and it's inspiring. It's like... I've not been receiving that because I hadn't shared the story. Mm. Um, and it's given me the ability to believe one of my lifelong dreams is a bull's roar away. And I never thought that would happen. I'm feet, um, will be and am being featured in media appearances. Um, and very close to... <laughs> Uh, I'm like oh, I can't vocalize this because it's like it's been such a dream for so long actually being able to be the motivational speaker that I've wanted to be mm. from about the age of 16 and I just it was never a possibility then mm. okay so talk to me about that about the sort of the coaching and the um yeah the speaking side of things how different is that to the the life that you had before just yeah pulls apart I mean women were not expected to have opinions they weren't expected to certainly weren't expected to vocalize them Mm. um just you know socializing in a lounge room with friends it was the the heads of houses the men that did the talking and if you chimed in even with something that one of them couldn't remember you'd be shot a look as if to say you know who do you think you are (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's um I kind of feel like the the only the only way I can visualize it is I just feel like I'm growing balls the size of pumpkins because it's just (laughs) something that you just don't do (laughs) yeah yeah you found your voice and now you're using it yeah so what do you what's your like niche I suppose your emphasis I feel like it's very much about authenticity and really digging into who you are and letting that out Mm. and having the courage to pursue that journey because it's it's very easy you don't have to be in a circumstance like I was to feel peer pressure and to feel the need to conform to societal norms whatever they might be Mm -hmm. Um, and and I think specifically there would be female empowerment in that as well. Yeah. Do you feel particularly drawn to working with women? I think at the moment I do. It's not that I wouldn't work with men, but I think 
through some of the past, you know, the past experiences of being in the cult where the men were always dominant and the females weren't, and then going through relationships where they've been unhealthy. Right now, it's about talking to a, a group of people that I feel respect me for who I am. Mm. And I haven't historically had that respect in the past from men. So it's just working where I feel the best fit is at the minute. Mm. Yeah. And and an area that is a massively exploding market at the moment, but also an area that needs a voice more than ever. It's, women are starting to find their power, but there's a lot of work there. Mm. Yeah, I think sometimes the some some people just have a and I, I think you may be one of them, um, has a have a sort of knack for inadvertently inspiring people <laughs> yes yes that would absolutely be the case <laughs> inadvertent is definitely the word <laughs> never works when I try to do it <laughs> when I'm not trying yeah Ah, <laughs> oh, fabulous okay um I have a couple of questions from Dan who is uh one of my co-hosts um uh, he wants to know how many chickens you have. I have, um, I have seven. One is a rooster. Mm-hmm. So six hens and a rooster. Awesome. Um, Dan would also like to know what one piece of advice you would give to someone who's heading into the coach and personal development space to help them embrace the role and grow their business. For me, it needs to be something you can really deliver authentically and preferably something you've worked through yourself. I've looked at trying to take other people's teachings it's going at the at the level at which I am I would work with people you become unstuck quite quickly if you're not if you can't feel from the heart and the gut about the things you're trying to teach Mm. and that comes through your own experiences I'm not saying that you can only talk from your own experiences but I think if you can people trust you more because they know you've been there yeah so one final question at least before the rapid fire round um Jessie Shedden my seat about this (laughs) Uh, why do you write (laughs) you know you're not expecting this answer but it's to save my poor fiance's ears Otherwise, you just get <laughs> and he gets to that anyway. Um, so I know I just feel like there's you know there's a lot in there. It's been bottled up for a long time, and it wants to come out. And thanks to definitely thanks to Leonie's course, I see how you think it's not needed out there, but as soon as you put something out, you see how many people have needed that. Okay, it's time for the rapid fire round. <laughs> Ten questions, as quick as you can. Don't overthink. Are you ready? Go. No. Okay. Place you most want to travel to? America. Music or podcasts? Music, usually, but moving towards podcasts. Okay. Which is your favourite chicken? Out of mine? Yes. Cuddle pot. Socks or bare feet? Socks. Favourite snack? 
Chocolate. <laughs> bonfires or fireworks? Bonfires. Do you read mainly print, ebook, or audiobook? Print. Favourite holiday or celebration? I haven't been keeping any. It's fine. Fair enough. Sorry. No, it's all right. It's your background. <laughs> um, ultimate breakfast food? Porridge. And the best book you've read this year? This year? Mm. Lucky bitch. Nice. That's 10 questions. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. So, I can talk about it this year. Yeah, yeah. Lucky bitch was turning point for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fantastic book. <laughs> okay, so that wraps it up. Um, would you just like to let our listeners know where they can find out find out more about you and your book? Absolutely. You can find me on Facebook under Jesse Shedden, also on Instagram, um, and if you hop over to my website, jessieshedden.com, you can download the first chapter of the book for free there as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much for coming and chatting to me this evening. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Great Writers Share podcast. Tune in next week when John will be talking with Andy Conduit-Turner. Don't forget you can catch up on our entire backlist of episodes Plus, get all of the backstage access, our Slack channel, and even one-to-one coaching from Dan by joining our Patreon from as little as $1 a month. Find out more at patreon.com forward slash Share. Until next time, 